Your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 534 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you are hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And today we're going to turn this episode into basically an impromptu mailbag session. Uh, a couple of you guys reached out with some questions, both on Twitter and through email. And I figure uh, we might as well go ahead and just answer a bunch of your guys' questions here on this uh, fine Friday afternoon here. Finally getting uh, some warm weather here in the Northeast. And yeah, good time, as good a time as any, excuse me, to uh, get to some of your questions here and uh, just kind of talk about a variety of subjects. We're also going to end today's episode by talking a little bit about what's happening in the Olympic Games uh, with hockey, obviously, not so much the other events. But uh, yeah, you know, the Olympics, they only come around every four years. I realize it would be better if the NHL was participating. Circumstances dictated that they could not participate. Uh, but nevertheless, still a very fun competition and something that I'm going to be watching quite intently as, uh, you know, both of these tournaments, the men's and the women's tournaments, uh, you know, progress here. Obviously, by the end of today, the women will be down to uh, the final four, so to speak, and uh, United States and Canada have both already qualified for it. So like I said, going to talk about a lot today. For starters, we have a question from Mike here, and Mike uh, asked a question that uh, a couple of you have asked in the past as well. Uh, I think a lot of people seem to enjoy the episodes where I talk about Ranger prospects and, you know, how are they doing in the AHL, the OHL, whatever HL it might be, the KHL, um, and, you know, just kind of see what's coming down the pipeline for the New York Rangers. When might these guys debut? What kind of players are they? What kind of seasons are they having? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But this is what Mike uh, had to ask me. I believe he reached out on Twitter. I've got the question in front of me here uh, on a Word document. But Mike says, could you talk about our future prospects, specifically guys we already drafted? Would love to hear a segment on Brandon Othman. I think that guy is going to be amazing. When will he be able to join the Rangers? And so, yeah, we'll go ahead and start with Brandon Offman, the first-round draft pick by the New York Rangers from this past season. And, yeah, he's been awesome. I mean, for anybody who hasn't kept tabs on Brandon Offman, and I think a lot of people are probably aware of this because during a lot of the Ranger games, you know, they'll do quick prospect updates as well, and they've been highlighting him quite a bit this season, and rightfully so, because he is absolutely setting the OHL on fire right now. He has played in 39 games with the OHL's Flint Firebirds. He has 31 goals and 27 assists, so he's got 58 points in 39 games, nearly a point and a half per game. He was also named the captain of the Flint Firebirds in season this year. And then the game after he was named captain, I'm almost positive. I'm like 95% sure on this. The game after he was named the captain, five point performance. So that's awesome. Obviously, uh, that meant a lot to him, and it showed in the very next game that he played for Flint. Flint, by the way, is 25-14-2 this season. And it's funny because you know, all these gaudy offensive numbers, they're all coming from somebody who, at least according to most scouting reports, you know, heading into the draft this past season, this is somebody who was going to be a little bit of a defensive-minded forward, you know, a gritty player, a pest to play against, all that good stuff. We didn't really hear a whole lot about big-time scoring upside, and obviously those numbers, sooner or later, they got to come back to earth at least a little bit, and I don't think he's going to put up 58 points in 39 games in the NHL, but nevertheless, I mean, when you're scoring at this 
rate. It's, it's very impressive no matter what level of hockey you're accomplishing the feat at. And, you know, it, it's not really a complete fluke. I mean, he had a little bit to do with uh, Flint scoring last season. He had 33 points in 55 games. But again, you know, scoring and points, it wasn't really expected to be his calling card. And going into the draft last year, we talked a little bit about Offman and some other players that the Rangers could take when it was their selection. The fact that Offman played left wing, you know, kind of limited my interest in him simply because, uh, you know, they've got Lafreniere, they've got Panarin, and they've got Kreider. And all those guys are presumably going to be with the Rangers for a very long time. Uh, so, you know, that, that gave me some pause, but he's been great. He's been absolutely fantastic. And even if the Rangers don't decide that they have a role for him with a team, you know, maybe he's used a trade bait as a certain point. I'm certainly not campaigning for that so early into, uh, you know, his Ranger tenure here, so to speak. But it's always a, a road that the Rangers could look to go down if they need to make a move for an already established NHL player. As far as when we see Othman, it wouldn't shock me to see him next season because, when you consider how he's tearing up the OHL this season and how the Rangers seemingly don't really have any qualms about a little trial by fire for some of their young players, you know, especially with their defensemen. I mean, so many players have debuted at a very, very young age for the New York Rangers, and some of them have stuck there. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we could see Hoffman as soon as next season. And given his playing style, you know, it seems like he wouldn't be out of place on the fourth line. And if you look ahead to unrestricted free agency for the Rangers, there's not much. I mean, there's Strom. We've talked about Ryan Strom quite a bit. He's the big name as far as impending UFAs are concerned. But Greg McKaig and Kevin Rooney are also impending unrestricted free agents. And I would like to have both of them back if the price is right, if the years are right. I really like Kevin Rooney especially. I mean, he's one of my favorite players on the team. But it's entirely possible that both those guys move on in unrestricted free agency. There could be teams out there looking to pay either of those guys a little bit more than the Rangers are willing to pay or you know, willing to add on an extra season to their deal, whatever it might be. Um, so if they're both out of the picture, that kind of opens up a door for somebody like a Brandon Hoffman to maybe come up and slot into the fourth line next season. We'll see. I mean, there, that, that's a lot of what-ifs and a lot of hypotheticals, but obviously it's at least possible that that could happen. Uh, moving right along here, as far as other Ranger prospects, we've got Dylan Garand. Uh, this is somebody who's been turning some heads recently. He's a goalie, and he was a fourth-round pick by the Rangers back in 2020. He's been on Team Canada in each of the last two World Juniors tournaments. Now, obviously, uh, the tournament barely got off the ground this year, didn't last very long. I think it lasted like two and a half days. Uh, but Garand played in one of Canada's games this year. He also played in one of Canada's games last year when they were the silver medal winners. Uh, but he's playing for the Kamloops Blazers of the WHL right now. He's played in 31 games. He's got a record of 24-7, and a goals against average of two right on the dot, a 924 save percentage and two shutouts. So he's looking good. And, you know, as we've discussed on here, we, we talked about how, you know, Othman, there might be an opening for him if Rooney and or McKeg are no longer on the team next season. We don't really know what the future of Ranger backup goalie is going to look like. I think one way or another, this very well could be Georgiev's last season with the New York Rangers. And Keith Kincaid's an impending unrestricted free agent. He's played well whenever he's had a chance for the Rangers over these past two seasons, but I would imagine Kincaid is somebody who wants to go somewhere where he thinks he's going to stick on the NHL roster, and that seems to be doable, again, given how he's played when called upon over these past couple of seasons. So your guess is as good as mine as far as who the Ranger backup goalie is going to be this season. It might be a little bit of a stretch to think that it's going to be Dylan Garand, 
He is just 19 years old after all, but you know what? I mean, he's former fourth-round pick by the New York Rangers. It seems like uh, he's played very well ever since being drafted, and he's put up good numbers even before the Rangers drafted him. So, uh, yeah, it would not surprise me at all somewhere down the road to see him, uh, you know, carve out a decent role for himself on the Rangers, maybe even be the backup goalie for a few seasons, uh, whatever it might be behind Igor Shesterkin there. Um, as far as next season, again, he's only 19 years old, so it seems a little bit premature, but I suppose crazier things have happened. And Dylan Garand, again, you know, playing very, very well uh, for the Kamloops Blazers, both this season and last season. Last season, uh, he had a 15-3 and record, three shutouts, 215 goals against average, 921 save percentage. So he obviously did quite well for them uh, back then as well. And we'll continue talking about a couple more prospects in just a second, and then I'll get to a couple of your other questions as well. But first, just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bilt Bar. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Bilt Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Bilt Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are infused with marshmallow. They're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, all Bilt Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein, Replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories, but most Built Bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. At Built Bar, they are all about taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every single time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, thanks once again to everybody for making Lockdown New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Also, make sure to check out Olympic Hockey Daily presented by Lockdown NHL, a bonus podcast covering all the action in Beijing. You can find it on the Lockdown NHL podcast feed. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And we're going to keep it moving right along here. We'll talk about a couple other prospects and then we'll jump into uh, some other questions as well. Uh, first of all, Ryder Korzak. This is somebody you got to keep your eye on as well. He was a third-round pick by the Rangers in this past year's draft. Uh, known as a very good puck handler, an elusive player, uh, strong on the power play. He's got a nasty wrist shot. He is in his third season with the Moose Jaw Warriors of the WHL. He has scored 17 goals and has 38 assists. So he's got a total of 55 points in 46 games. He was also uh, more than a point-per-game player in the two preceding seasons that he spent with Moose Jaw. So, yeah, he's basically been killing it in the WHL, even though he is still just 19 years old. I would imagine, though, I mean, given how he's basically just lit up the WHL, there's not really a whole lot more left for him to do there. So I could see him maybe at least being on the Wolfpack at some point next season. I mean, we'll see how the Rangers look to play it. Uh, it's kind of up in the air right now, but uh, somebody that I think the Rangers feel pretty good about, former third-round pick, you know, first three rounds, I I think you expect all those guys to hopefully at least make it to the NHL and carve out a role for themselves uh, at some point, and you know, so far, so good for Ryder Korzak. I've also got to mention Will Cooley. He's become one of my favorite Ranger prospects in a short amount of time. Some of you will probably remember he was a standout during the Ranger rookie camp this offseason. He was a second round pick by the Rangers in 2020. He's 20 years old. Uh, you know, big kid, six foot four, 209 pounds. Uh, another guy that just has a lethal wrist shot. 
And I mean, what a season he's having for the Windsor Spitfires of the OHL. I mean, for starters, he's the team captain. So between Cooley and Offman, the Rangers actually have two OHL captains in their pipeline right now. So that's kind of cool to see in and of itself. Uh, Windsor is 22-13-2. So Cooley's Windsor Spitfires are in fourth place in the OHL's Western Conference, just behind Offman's Flint Firebirds, who are in third place. So game on there. Uh, But, you know, beyond all that stuff, I mean, what a season he's having. 34 games, he's got 26 goals and 18 assists. So, again, just just lighting up the score sheet every single night, 44 points in 34 games. He also made Canada's World Juniors team this season, played in both of those games before the tournament was canceled, and he had two assists in those two games. He also spent some time with the Hartford Wolfpack last season, skated in 18 games, had two goals and three assists during that time. Cooley is going to play in the NHL. I feel pretty confident saying that, that he's eventually going to make it. Seems like he's just doing all the right things. And like I said, was a standout. Seemed to really impress the Rangers during the rookie camp this season. Something that really helps him is that it would seem like he has the type of skill set where he's one of those guys that wouldn't really be out of place on any given line. You know, he's got top six offensive potential, but he's also got that grit that's usually a trademark of specifically the fourth line, but the bottom six as a whole. So he's got that working in his favor as well, and uh, we'll see how it shakes out. I think Cooley, yeah, I mean, decent chance that he could at least make his Ranger debut at some point next season, despite being very young, still just 20 years old. And I also want to give a little bit of a shout-out to Johnny Brodzinski here. He's not really a prospect per se. I believe he's 28 years old and kind of a journeyman, but we've seen him play in a few games with the Rangers uh, both this season and also last season, and he does lead the Hartford Wolfpack with 33 points despite playing in only 29 games. You know, I believe the Pack has now played 35 games, so he leads despite not playing in as many games as a lot of his teammates have. But, you know, if there's a situation where the Rangers are not quite as active at the trade deadline as I think a lot of us expect them and hope for them to be. And if there's maybe an opening on, say, the third line due to, uh, you know, the Rangers having some injuries, maybe a couple guys are out with COVID, whatever it might be, then it's possible the Rangers at least give him a chance down the stretch. And Brodzinski would sort of be in the Colin Blackwell role that we saw last season. You know, somebody who doesn't really have a ton of upside, doesn't seem to be a big-time part of the future of the team, but somebody that you could at least plug in there, and he could be somewhat productive. I think that's at least possible. And as far as, you know, a forward prospect on the uh, on the Wolfpack, who is yet to make his NHL debut, I got to look at Lori Pahu-Niemi. Uh, if you're going to call up a forward, once again, who is a true prospect and who could actually be ready for the test, this might be your guy right here. He's 22 years old. He mostly plays the right wing, which, as we know, that does certainly seem to be the Ranger weakness at this moment. Uh, but he's got eight goals and 10 assists for a total of 18 points in 35 games with the Wolfpack. So not eye-popping numbers, but if you're trying to catch lightning in the bottle a little bit, once again, Lori Pahuniemi could be your guy. He wasn't really that high of a draft pick by the Rangers. In fact, he didn't go until the fifth round back in 2018. He was taken number 132 overall, but it does sound like he has mostly impressed the Rangers. And again, you know, putting up solid, if unspectacular, numbers with the Wolfpack. If you want to, you know, call somebody up from the Wolfpack who we haven't seen yet, who has a little bit of upside, I think Pahu Niemi could be the guy there. And then, you know, of course, there's players who could be back with the Rangers, who we've already seen uh, both last season and in some cases, and also this season. Uh, Nils Lundqvist obviously made his NHL debut this year. We saw a little bit of Zach Jones this year, a little bit of Zach Jones last year. Morgan Barron could be back at some point. Uh, So we'll see. You know, there's a lot of options on the table, uh, but it does seem like the Rangers have a pretty strong, you know, pipeline right now. There's a lot of guys that would certainly seem to have some upside, 
and maybe some of them could even be used in a trade. And I'm not trying to push every single Ranger prospect out of the door, but by that same token, you know, you look at the Ranger roster right now, everything seems pretty firm. I mean, there's always going to be some tinkering, and there's always going to be some changes from season to season, but a lot of the big-time key players are locked up long-term right now. And on top of that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, there's only three impending unrestricted free agents for this team. So, yeah, it might be kind of tough for a lot of these guys to crack the Ranger roster. It's not for a lack of talent or ability or anything like that, but there's only so many spots to go around. You know, you only dress 20 players, and a lot of those spots are certainly spoken for. So we'll look how they look to play it, but uh, yeah, this was great. You know, I always like uh, doing episodes like this, getting you guys caught up and get myself caught up, quite frankly, on uh, some of the Ranger prospects, the kind of seasons they're having, and if and when they could eventually make their uh, debut for the New York Rangers. And we're going to continue taking some of your guys' questions in just a second here. We're also going to talk briefly about what's going on with the Olympics. But first, just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march to the big game. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live, real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new, amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, I'm going to go ahead and read a question from Anthony here. And by the way, this is also a good opportunity to just kind of remind everybody that anytime you have a question or a topic you want me to go over uh, on this podcast, feel free to either DM it to me on Twitter or email it to me as well. And whenever I read questions on here, I only read first names. I mean, I don't know for sure. There could be somebody who doesn't necessarily want me to say their full name. But if you let me know either in the email or in the the DM on Twitter that you'd like me to say your full name, then I'll definitely do that as well. But we've got a question from Anthony here, and this is what he had to say. Can we hear your thoughts on what Brad Marchand did as well as your take on how the Rangers are doing switching from all skill to some skill, some grit? Yeah, I mean, we'll start with the Ranger-related portion of this. I mean, I think they've done great with it, frankly. I mean, you look at the way this team is constructed right now. The thing I love about this Ranger team, for starters, I mean, every single player on this team, to me at least, is is at least somewhat likable. There's nobody on the team that you kind of shake your head, and it's like, why is this guy here? This guy serves no purpose. Uh, you've got an entire roster of guys who uh, seem to have very unique roles and seem to all bring something specific and unique to the table. And as far as, you know, transitioning from all skill to, you know, a little bit more balance of skill and grit, uh, I think it's worked out pretty well so far. And at the beginning of this season, I'm not going to lie, you know, I was watching this team, they were struggling so much, not just to score goals, but to really create any kind of sustained offense. The only reason they were winning games in the first month of the season or so was because Igor Shesterkin was a human cheat code out there. But... You know, they've since rectified that situation. They've become a more dangerous team. I know they score a lot of their goals on the power play as opposed to 5v5, but that's okay. It's okay to have a good power play and a power play that you benefit from. I know that there were a lot of Ranger fans who were kind of upset, maybe in some cases still are upset, that the team traded Pavel Buchnevich to the St. Louis Blues in exchange for Sammy Blay and a second-round draft pick. That move, like I've talked about before on here, it's not my favorite thing that the Rangers have ever done, but I could at least understand where they were coming from, you know, feeling like they weren't going to be able to pay Pavel Buchnevich. And, you know, we, we could look at the way the team's constructed right now and say, well, if they didn't bring in this guy and that guy, then they could have held on to Buchnevich. I get all that. It's a move that the Rangers 
felt like they pretty much had to make, and I can at least understand where they were coming from. But yeah, you know, it was a little bit scary early in the season because the Rangers were sorely missing Pavel Buchnevich. They still do miss Pavel Buchnevich, but... Uh, you know, they got a good player in Sammy Blay, uh, physical player. And I think Blay, you know, not to go on too much of a tangent here, Blay would have a pretty big role for himself on this Ranger team right now had he not had his season by a dirty play by P.K. Subban. I think you'd probably see him uh, in the top six more often than not. One of those guys that can move up and down the lineup. So that's unfortunate uh, that he's no longer here with the Rangers. But, you know, again, I do think that this has been a nice transition. I mean, look at their record. They have not had anywhere near this good of a record, anywhere near this good of a team in quite some time here. So I've been enjoying it. It's nice knowing that the Rangers can win with skill and win with some grit as well. You know, there have been some tough, nasty, physical, grinded out games that they've had to just dig deep and win it that way. And they've had games that they've won by putting up a ton of goals. They've had games that they've won by, once again, just kind of grinding their way to some wins. So it's good knowing that they can play both styles if and when they need to. As far as Brad Marchand is concerned, I mean, what else do you expect at this point? For anybody who missed it, there was an incident with Brad Marchand. He ends up getting a six-game suspension from the league. Uh, They were playing the Penguins, Bruins versus Penguins, and it's getting late in the game. The Penguins are up 4-2. to You know, the Bruins are trying to get a goal back. They've got their goalie pulled. There's less than a minute left. And Brad Marchand, out of nowhere, just skates up behind Tristan Jerry and punches him about as hard as he can in the back of the head, knocks Jerry to the ice. And then, you know, as they're getting Marchand out of there, Marchand goes by Jerry, and he hits him in his head with his stick, and he ends up getting suspended for six games for it. I'm not surprised by any of this. I I don't think that anybody should be surprised by anything that Brad Marchand does at this point. You shouldn't be surprised when he does this again, ultimately, when he comes back from this suspension. The guy's a dirtbag. I mean, what else can even be said at this point? He's completely gutless on top of that. Because, yeah, there's players in this league who like to stir it up. They like to play the mind games and all that stuff. But they'll also drop the gloves and fight when the occasion calls for it. Brad Marchand's not going to do that because he's completely gutless. He's a dirty player. He's absolutely disgusting. Remember a few years ago when he was licking everybody? So... He sucks. I mean, I I don't really know what else to say about it. Um, Again, it's just not surprising to me at this point, and uh, it won't be surprising when he returns from the suspension and inevitably does something like this again. We've also got a question here from Mordecai. He says, looking ahead to the playoffs, if the Rangers had their choice of playoff opponents, which team would the Rangers match up best against in round one? Can you rank from best to worst matchup at this point? And I'm almost too superstitious to answer this question. I'm going to do it because, I mean, we got a podcast here and why not? Let's go ahead and take a look at the potential Ranger opponents and see how they might stack up against each of them. But there is a little bit of be careful what you wish for. We all thought that the Rangers had a really nice draw a couple years ago. You know, the COVID season, the 2014 playoff tournament. The Rangers went into that uh, playoff tournament, some of you will remember, as the number 11 seed. Even saying that out loud just sounds ridiculous. The number 11 seed in the Eastern Conference. But they went up against the Carolina Hurricanes, a team that they had dominated in the regular season. Well, I say dominate, but they went 4-0 against them despite getting outplayed in some of those games. For one reason or another, it just felt like the Rangers had the Canes number, and we were all feeling good about it. I mean, hey, your team is an 11 seed how much more can you really wish for, you know, than going up against a team that, once again, you went 4-0 against in the regular season? But we know how it went. The Canes swept the Rangers right out of the playoffs and basically just had total control of that playoff series. They, they swept them out in three games because it was a best of five in the qualifying round that year. But... Despite the Canes not winning by a ton of lopsided scores and games that were, you know, tied or even the Canes up by just one goal in the third period, it just never felt like the Rangers really 
uh, had the Canes back on their heels at all. The Canes just played this suffocating style. They pressured the puck a lot. The Rangers couldn't get anything going offensively. I think the Rangers certainly were hurt by the, um, you know, the the long break between the end of the regular season and the start of the playoffs that season, especially having a young and inexperienced team. But be that as it may, you know, having flashbacks to that series and just watching the Canes play hockey this season, I'll be honest, that is the team probably in the entire Eastern Conference that I want to play less than anybody else. Uh, again, they just play uh, a very sound defensive game. They are physical. They are big. They can score goals. They've got a very dangerous top line there. They've got the only goalie maybe in the Eastern Conference who's been just as good as Igor Shesterkin this season in Freddie Anderson. I realize he benefits from having good defensemen on that team. That's another thing. They have outstanding defensemen. They've also got about 12 former Rangers who are going to look at that as a revenge series. So, yeah, sign me up to not play the Carolina Hurricanes. I want absolutely no point of that team, and uh, that's the team I would most like to hopefully avoid in the first round. Looking at the other teams, and again, if you look at the Eastern Conference standings right now, there are eight teams that are head and shoulders above the other eight teams, and there's probably going to be four teams from each division, so the Rangers very likely will either be playing the Canes, the Penguins, or the Capitals. I would say that I would most like to play the Washington Capitals because I've seen so many epic playoff series between the Rangers and Capitals over the years. I know you guys have too. Just for the entertainment standpoint, I think that would be a ton of fun, and I think the Rangers could handle them. I think that the Capitals felt like the Rangers were a team that they could push around in recent seasons. We know everything that happened with Tom Wilson, and I think that has the potential to just be a gritty, nasty playoff series. And as we talked about a little bit earlier on this episode, I think the Rangers now have you know the personnel that they could hang in a series with a team like the Washington Capitals, even if the series, like I said, gets chippy, gets nasty, gets, uh, you know, vicious at times. I think they could play that game and throw it right back in the Capitals' faces. The Rangers would have a clear-cut advantage as far as the goalie position is concerned. Samsonov is a solid goalie, but I wouldn't say he's elite, at least not yet. And on top of all that, we know that the Capitals, let's call them what they are. They're choke artists when it comes to the playoffs. I know they won the Stanley Cup that one year, but man, it's been a while since the Capitals have even won a playoff series. In fact, that Stanley Cup win... Without looking at it, I think that might be the last time the Capitals won a playoff series. And if that, if I'm wrong about that, they haven't won more than one or two playoff series the last couple of seasons. So for all those reasons, I think I'd probably like to play the Capitals more than anybody else. And then the Penguins are kind of in the middle of the Canes and the Capitals, probably closer to the Capitals than the Canes because the Canes scare the hell out of me, quite frankly. But the Penguins... You know, they're dangerous because, I mean, they've still got their core group of players that's intact there, but you don't know for how many more seasons. You don't know how many more seasons that Crosby can still be an elite player in this league. I get the feeling you're going to see a very focused Penguins team going into the playoffs. As I've talked about before on this podcast, the Penguins are always one of those teams that people kind of wonder like, oh man, are they kind of, are they getting a little long in the tooth? Are they going to not really be such a great team for that much longer? And like I've been saying and saying and saying on here, I will believe it when I see it because they have been absolutely fantastic after a slow start to the season. That's another thing. You know, they've obviously caught fire here. If they're this hot going into the playoffs and they're obviously a dangerous opponent, and on top of that, you know, like I just said, who knows how many more chances that core group is going to get together. So I think you're going to see a very focused, very determined Penguins team come playoff time. And on top of all that, the Penguins tend to be one of those teams that is fairly aggressive at the trade deadline. They're going to add some pieces. And I think the Penguins team that goes into the playoffs will probably even be better than the team that they currently have right now. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, ranking the three uh, Metro teams, I would say I'd most like to play the Caps, then the Penguins 
than the Canes. And as far as, uh, you know, the uh, the Atlantic division, I don't think the Rangers are going to match up against any of those teams because I think we're going to get four teams from each division. But, you know, the Panthers, they don't scare me as much as they probably should simply because the Rangers have gone toe-to-toe with them three times this season and they've beaten them twice. I wouldn't want to play the Lightning because they're the Lightning. The Lightning, sometimes it feels like they're kind of just killing time until the playoffs start. Uh, the Leafs, you know, I'd be okay with the Leafs. They're, they're a team that obviously has had their issues in the playoffs. So uh, just a couple of honorable mentions there for the uh, the Atlantic teams in the off chance that the Rangers end up playing one of those teams. And finally, we've got a question from John here. Hey, John, I love the podcast. Just wondering, the last couple of years, the NHL has played a different amount of regular season games because of the pandemic. What amount do you think is sufficient to play? 70, 72, 74, or stick with 82? Personally, I believe 70 or 72 will be fine. Please let me know what you think. Thanks again, John from New Jersey. Yeah, honestly, I would leave it at 82. I I don't see any real need to change this. And I mean, I think 70, 72, or 74 would be enough as far as determining which teams deserve to go into the playoffs and which teams don't. But to me, if you switch it from 82 games to like 72 games, it kind of feels like it's just uh, change for the sake of change, which I'm not typically a fan of. Uh, Again, you know, to your point, John, I think that's plenty of time to determine the worthy playoff participants. Because when you think about the NHL regular season, all it really is, is determining the best half of the NHL teams and the worst half of the NHL teams. And the best half get to continue, the worst half go home. It's a 32-team league, 16 teams make the playoffs, 16 do not. So that's pretty much the purpose of the regular season is just to basically cut the league in half and obviously determine seating and whatnot too. But, you know, if you switch it to 72 games, then you also kind of muddy record keeping. I I know that the NHL at different times in its history has played different amounts of games. There was a brief time where they played 84 games. There was a time where they played 80 games, but it's been at 82 for a while. And if you switch it to 72 games and somebody's closing in on the all-time single season record for most goals in one season, then he's going to run out of time. But you know, maybe he should be recognized as the new leader because he scored more goals per game in the 72-game season than the guy did in the 82-game season. So there becomes a lot of gray area there as well. So could you get by with 70 or 72 games? Yes, you could. But again, I just don't really see any need to, to make that change. We will quickly talk some Olympic hockey here. You had the men's USA team beating China 8 to nothing in the first preliminary game, and they got off to a slow start, only up one nothing after one, but took total control after that. Sean Farrell with a five-point performance. You also had the Canadian men's team. They played at the same time as the U.S. did, so I didn't get to see this one, but they beat Germany 5-1. to one. Five different players scored goals. Uh, ben Street had a goal and an assist. Kent Johnson and Eric O'Dell had two assists each. You also had the Canadian women's team squeaking by Sweden by a final score of 11 to nothing. So they punched their ticket to the uh, semifinals because they're in the knockout round there. So Canada eliminates Sweden. And then the game that I want to spend more attention on than any of the others, mostly the reason that it was actually kind of a competitive game, far more competitive than anybody thought it was going to be. And that was the United States women's team taking on the Czech Republic. Now they ended up winning four to one, but they were down one to nothing in the second period. They got a goal back not too long after that. You had Hillary Knight scoring for the United States on a scramble in front of the Czech net. And then the U.S. took the lead for good at two to one on a goal by Lee Steckline about five minutes into the final period. And then it's getting kind of late and you get the U.S. scoring on a power play. Uh, this occurred with about, let's see, 309 remaining in the contest. The goal was scored by... 
Savannah Harmon. And then you had an empty net goal scored in the final seconds by Kendall Coyne Schofield, the United States captain. So, uh, again, you look at it 4-1. to one, Even that probably would be a little bit closer than a lot of people were expecting. Uh, but this was a little bit of a nail-biter. The U.S. at one point, and watching this game, you know, I, I use the expression every now and then that, you know, the rink was tilted. The rink was vertical. I mean, the, the entirety of the play was happening on Czech's side of the ice, but the U.S. just could not put the puck in the net. And the Czech Republic ended up uh, taking a brief lead. Like I said, it only lasted for 48 seconds in the second period. But there was a time in this game where I distinctly remember the announcer saying that the United States has a 50-5 to shots on goal lead, which is absolutely wild. Um, and, hey, hopefully it's a lesson learned for the U.S. I mean, not that they played badly. They really didn't. I, I never thought that they were flat or looking ahead or anything like that. But... Uh, Czech Republic, I guess, give some credit to them. They hung around. But now the U.S. is in the semifinals, as is Canada. And if those two are to meet again, you know, they, they met in the preliminary rounds, and Canada won that game 4-2, a really great game as well. But if they're going to meet again, it's either going to happen in the gold medal game or the bronze medal game. My money is on the gold medal game, but of course, you never know for sure, and we'll see who they end up playing there. Opponents have not yet been determined as of this recording here, but... That will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on bets.